Hi, Fiber friends. Welcome to the Fiber Artist Podcast, and thank you for tuning in today. If you're enjoying these episodes, please hit the subscribe button on YouTube. I often get emails and DMs letting me know that you love the pod. Thank you so much for those. I really appreciate them. But please also try to leave a comment on the episodes. It's the easiest way to support the podcast, and it's free and only takes a second. Now, for today's guest, the wonderful and talented Ashley Thurman of Loom Denim, based near St. Louis, Missouri. Ashley and I had a great and very informative chat. Some of you might know Ashley from the beloved FiberShare program that she co-organized for several years. We spent a lot of time chatting about FiberShare and why it's been on hold. So if you're like me and you've been wondering what's up with the program and if it's coming back and why it hasn't been around for a while, you'll get all your answers shortly. So keep on listening. We'll get into all of it, I promise. And I've had lots of people ask me if there is some place to get your yarn and rope scraps spun into yarn. Well, Ashley is definitely your girl. You can find her online at loomdenim.com and on Instagram at loom underscore denim. All right, without further ado, here's Ashley. Okay, so can you start off just by letting people know who you are, your name, um, your Instagram account, um, and and TikTok or whatever you want to promote, and then um, and your website. Yeah, um, Ashley Thurman. You can find me at Loom Denim, Loom underscore Denim on Instagram, TikTok, and my website is LoomDenim.com. Awesome. Thank you. So I was realizing that um, I think I tend after, finally after 40 episodes, I'm realizing that I tend to start these out wondering how I know the person that I'm chatting with. <laughs> so um, I was thinking back and I mean, for sure, like in 2015, I was, I did FiberShare, you know, for each time mm-hmm. you guys offered it, but I don't think I ever knew who was behind it until much more recently, like, I don't know, maybe two, two years ago or something like that. So um, yeah, I don't know. I think I started um following the Loom Denim account much more. Re- like, did you have that up the whole time that you were you guys were doing FiberShare? The Loom Denim? Yeah. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, I It was called, it was just my name at first. Okay. Um, and then somewhere along the lines, I can't remember exactly when <laughs> I decided to move to more of a brand, um, as we all tend to do. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. awesome. Um, I know. It was like all of a sudden I'm like, wait, no, yeah. I think I remember you. Be, I remember following you as Ashley, um, Ashley Thurman. But yeah, then mm-hmm. when you switched over, I think you're right. I think it just became maybe more recognizable or something. Um, but um, yeah, I don't know. Tell me how you got started in this fiber um, journey of yours. Yeah, so I didn't really know fiber arts was a thing until I went to college. Um, And I had always been kind of artsy throughout my adolescent years, but it wasn't anything that I pursued because, um, you know, parental expectations. (laughs) My mom wanted me to be a school teacher and um, or nurse like she was. So it never really felt like an option. She wanted those recession proof uh, right. Occupations. <laughs> Which, you know, these days it's like, was she, did she have a point, you know? Yeah, I know. I know. I feel right. you. Um, but I went to college and I was undeclared for a while. I was just kind of undecided on what I wanted to do. So I took some general art courses 
And one of them was Fibers 101 and learn to weave on a, a floor loom and we did natural dyes and eventually we started experimenting with like surface design and I really enjoyed it. What and is so, that? What is surface design? Um, dyeing, um, like fabrics, um, designs and things like that. It, okay. It, so within fibers, right, right. Right. It, I think it more like you could take it more to be like um, to transition into the commercial industry, like designing fabrics and things like the rugs, even things like that. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And where were you going to school? Um, Southeast Missouri State University. Okay. Cool. So that's um, cool that they offer a whole segment on fiber. I mean, that's really right. cool. I don't think a lot of schools do that. It wasn't a big program, but it was, um, I just fell in love with it. Um, so, and I, I liked that it was small as well. There was only a couple of us that were actually majoring in fibers. So it was very accessible and, you know, you had a lot of one-on-one time with your professors and things like that. So I loved it and I decided to major in it. And I, I guess the rest is history. Um, except for the fact that I didn't finish college. I don't want to like, um, you know, make people believe that I <laughs> I have a degree in fiber arts because I don't. Do I think you need one? Not necessarily. Yeah. Um, Sounds like you got what you needed from school, which is exactly, <laughs> exactly the way it should be done, to be quite honest, especially now right. I'm looking at college as like, and I mean, I'm from a very, you know, education is, is the most important thing right. kind of family. And but nowadays, the more I look at it, I'm like, really, is it worth the hundred grand that it now costs to send your no, kids to school. You know, it's like a totally different thing. There's no okay. promise to get out on the other end and have a job. And, you know, and that's not even talking about a job you like, you know, <laughs> exactly. it's like, yeah. are, am I going to be guaranteed some great office job that maybe pays decently, but that I hate you know, going to every day? I mean, it's, you know, it's just not what it's, what it, I guess just what it used to be, you know? Exactly. It's not. And, um, I ended up leaving because my son was born ah. and we moved back home. Uh, me and my husband, he wasn't my husband at the time, but um, he is now. <laughs> <laughs> um, we moved back to my hometown and I, there was several years that I just, I didn't do anything. Um, I tried to. Well, you were through. a mom. I mean, right. <laughs> you were in the thick of raising a newborn and a toddler. Right. So um, and he was also born deaf. So oh, we wow. were doing um, a drive every day to a deaf school that was um, an hour and a half away. So I just didn't have a lot of um, time, mental capacity to really focus on anything creative for a long time until he actually uh, transitioned into a public school around first grade. Okay. Wow. That's amazing that he was able to transition. Did you, were you able to find treatments for his hearing or did he just learn to, um, you know, live with the, with not being able to hear? Yeah. He wears, uh, hearing aids in both of his ears. Um, and the deaf school that we chose focuses on auditory, um, like teaching. So, it was more or less um, like teaching him how to talk. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was a very intensive program. 
And, um, yeah, I mean, now he's 14. You couldn't, you can't really tell a difference, you know, unless you see his hearing aids, then you would know. Um, but yeah, that's incredible. A lot of work. Yeah. And, um, his, his hearing loss isn't, um, he's not completely deaf. So there is some hearing there, but there's, you know, not much. Mm -hmm. And did you have, did you go through the process of learning sign language? Um, um, no. (laughs) And that's kind of like a controversial, um, answer. I'm sure not everybody's going to agree with it. Um, but at the time we were young parents and we didn't really have the support system within our family to kind of justify Mm -hmm. learning sign language because it would only be us (laughs) who were using it with him. And, it was very important for me, like, that he could communicate with his family members or his peers. And, you know, to be honest, um, ASL is kind of one of those things where um, you have to be, like, in an ASL community. Right, right. You know, and where we live, it's, like, nobody knows it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was one of those things where I just had to kind of weigh my options and decide what was best for us. And we couldn't at the time just pick up and move to somewhere where the ASL community was, you know, bigger or more relevant for us. So that's so interesting. I mean, that must have been a really hard time for you to have to decide. I mean, it's like, it's kind of like a crazy fork in the road where you're like, well, we either have to go one way or the other and fully commit to whichever Mm -hmm. way that is. And now, like, he's 14. I, I do have regrets that do he you? doesn't know sign language. He knows a little bit. Um, we took him to a, a lot of different camps when he was younger where um, his peers did sometimes use sign language. So he picked up some there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do now. I'm like, man, I really wish we would have just, you know, maybe done both. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But, but you didn't, you know, maybe, you, but you didn't have the resources at the time. I, exactly. I totally get that, though, where you're like, you know, I, I feel the same way with a lot of things that I feel like I could have, would have, should have, you know, with my kids, exactly. for sure. Like, like with the way that they eat now, I'm like, you know, I, I wanted to do baby led weaning when they were little. And with, with the first kid, it that failed miserably oh because I can't deal with all the choking and gagging. And neither could my husband. I mean, he's a even more, much more of a like a hypochondriac than me. So I <laughs> thought I could kind of power through. I'm like, they said that they choke. They said, or they said that they'd um, figure it out with their gums and all this stuff. And I was like, I, I don't know. He he'd be like, what are you trying to do? You're trying to kill him? Like, I, so so now See, he I eats nothing. Now he eats only chicken nuggets thing. and like hot dogs and pizza. Oh, no. And that's it. So yes, hey, lots of regrets. Like my six year old. So. Really. No worries. <laughs> no yeah. for me. It's hard, man. Motherhood's hard. We try our best. We do our best. I know. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's where we were. Um, he was about seven. We decided okay. to transition him into public school. And that's when I was kind of like at a point where I was like, okay, I have all this time now to, um, to create. What do I want to do? And I think I was scrolling on Instagram one day and I saw a post from um, Marianne Moody. Yay, Marianne. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, oh my gosh, I know how to do that. <laughs> and 
that's when I started an Instagram account and just started, it, it started off just as me weaving Okay. and kind of experimenting with that. Awesome. Did you, when you started back up, um, did it sort of spark something again in you like right away or were you just like trying to find some way to fill time? You know, like what were you feeling at the time? Um, I kind of was like one of those things where I like fell down the rabbit hole nice. immediately. And um, I was weaving all the time. Like basically if I was sitting down, not doing anything else, I had a loom in my lap nice. and it was, you know, it's like when, when you find something again, you're like totally <laughs> like sucked in and involved. And it was great. Um, it just felt great to find it again and have that creative outlet and like, at that point, like I started talking to other weavers and other fiber artists and it was like this whole world that I had just forgotten about, basically, this whole part of me. Um, so it was yeah. really great. Do you remember like when that was, like what year? That was 2014. Okay. Yeah, that sounds about right. Nice. So then yeah. when... And we don't have to dwell too long on FiberShare, but I oh, mean, this perfect. is my entry to you, I think, which is why, <laughs> which is why I do want to talk about it a little bit. But um, right. you know, I don't know for those of you listening if you um, ever had a chance to participate in it. Um, Ashley and who was it with you doing it? Beth. Beth. Ashley and Beth had some had this thing called FiberShare. I'll let you explain it. <laughs> yeah. Um- so in 2015, I had been weaving and sharing for about a year on Instagram. Um, at one point, somebody like messaged me and she was like, hey, and she lived in Australia at the time. And she said, hey, we should swap yarn because like at that time, yarn and like different fibers wasn't as readily <laughs> available as it is now. Like, yeah. I think the only place I really had to shop was at was Michael's. Do you remember who that was? Uh, yeah. Jer- Cherry Greenslade. Okay. Cherry Greenslade. Yeah. I'm not even sure if she's on Instagram anymore. Um, but yeah, we kind of went from there and invited seven different weavers and um, I think Rainy from the Unusual Pair joined mm-hmm. us. Um, uh, Wallflower Weavings. I'm Sophie. I can't mm-hmm. remember her last name. She joined in, and there was a few other people. And we swapped packages, and it was so much fun. <laughs> ah, that's awesome. So, that's, you know, I asked with such intensity because I had. Um, Julie from Little Loom from Australia, mm-hmm. we would chat and DM. And so we did like a fiber swap between us. So I was like, oh my God, I wonder if it's her. And she sent me like the coolest package of stuff. I feel like I didn't do the exchange justice. Like I, you know. <laughs> I mean, I we all have our like different ways of, of swapping and sending things. But yeah, so that was our first swap. It was, I think, at the end of 2014, that one was. And then in 2015, we opened it up to everyone else. <laughs> kind of as officially FiberShare. Um, yeah, I can't remember how many people joined that first round. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Like, how did I it... I think it was like 60 wow. or something. So more than seven, but not quite like what it eventually became. Yeah. And so how many years did you guys, it was twice a year? Maybe once a year. Um, Two to three times a year. It just depended like on timing or like what was going on in our lives. 
but yeah, from like 2015 to 2020. <laughs> oh, is that it when was, it ended? 2020. Yeah. Wow. So well, it ended because of the pandemic, kind of? Yeah. Um, there was a lot of different things kind of going on behind the scenes. Um, so for a while there, everything was great. Um, people were meeting each other. And that was kind of our mission is FiberShare it was a project to connect people beyond the screen. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, social media is great, but a lot of times you kind of miss that deeper connection. And FiberShare was a way for fiber artists. Uh, we had like knitters, crocheters, weavers, like the whole, the whole spectrum. Yeah. And people really enjoyed it. People would meet people like in real life to swap packages or like continue their friendships past rounds. And it was really awesome <laughs> just to kind of see that and kind of facilitate that kind of, um, you know, community, that sense of belonging. Totally. Uh, but then like, as things grew, <laughs> you know, we eventually got to the point where we had 2000 participants. Oh my around. God. So much. Right. <laughs> you know, I always right? wondered like, how are they logistically doing this? Like matching people up? Cause I know you were trying to, you would ask preferences. Like, would you, are you willing to send internationally? Um, you know, and then you're also matching uh, knitters with knitters and like weavers with weavers and that kind of thing. And I was mm -hmm. like, God, this sounds like a logistical nightmare. I did not understand how you guys were able to do this. Well, in my previous job, I was really good at spreadsheets. So that's nice. kind of like how I um, approached it. So I had a, a huge spreadsheet with like, like your main columns, like, do you want to ship internationally? Or are you a, a knitter? What type of like fiber philosophy do you like sustainable yarns? Or are you natural yarns? Or do you like acrylic only? That kind of thing. So I would have different points to kind of go off. It would take me about a week. Yeah, to, I like to do. That's what and I mean. So I, many variables like to and right. to even try to get people's. Yeah, I mean, fine. Globally or staying in the US, that's one thing. That's easy. That's an easy fix. But like, yeah, like materials, colors, you would ask people's color preferences, things right. like that. And I was like, oh, my God. And I think, you know, like for me, from my standpoint, I thought that was like a really great thing. Um, but then also, like, I think people... And not everyone assumed that we were going on Instagram and looking at everybody's profiles and <laughs> matching people up that way. Oh, no, but, like, I never thought there that. Was no way we could, you know, no way we could do that um, with 2000 participants, maybe 60. <laughs> right, right. But not 2000. And so like, as as it grew, like, and started to kind of um, get out of control. Um, and then, you know, we started having these conversations in the fiber community about, um, you know, politics or, um, you know, racial inconsistencies mm -hmm. in society. And we started to notice a shift. Um, and it got to the point where every time I opened my emails or DMs, I would have someone upset with who we matched them for, for whatever really? reason. Oh, yeah. I am. Oh, yeah. Can you or give, like, can you give an example? Like, 
because they yeah. didn't. I mean, I don't know. I don't can't. I mean, they didn't want to be matched with the, with a person of color, or they wanted to be matched with a person of color, or or yeah. I mean, um, it, it went both ways. Yeah. Or like they didn't like the person's political views, oh or even like something as simple as they didn't like their Instagram feed. Like it wasn't good enough or aesthetic enough for them or they didn't like the fact that they were shipping to a certain country you know it was just kind of um one of those things where like the people who participated um and kept an open mind I'm not you know I'm not like in any way trying to like say that they ruined it that they were awesome yeah you know I think there were people who really approached FiberShare with an open mind and an open heart and made it what it was. Mm-hmm. But then there was also like this behind the scenes thing that was going on that in retrospect, I wish I would have shared more mm-hmm. about what was going on. Um, but it was really important for us to kind of keep fiber share a safe space. So I didn't really share a lot of the types of emails or complaints we were getting behind the scenes Mm -hmm. because I didn't want anyone to feel like, you know, oh, she must have rematched me (laughs) with someone else because of X, Y, and Z. You know, I always kept it very like generic, like we have to rematch you because like so-and-so has something going on, you know? (laughs) Right, right, right. God, this is so crazy. I had no idea what was going on behind right. the scenes. I'm sure nobody. Yeah. Because I didn't, I mean, and Beth, it was very important to us to kind of keep FiberShare safe, you know? Yeah. And so we didn't um, share any of those details. I mean, it's interesting because it is definitely, it's like reflective of what was happening in culture at the time. I mean, I, really between 2016 and 2020, it was just like a hotbed of like every issue coming mm-hmm. up. With, yeah. yes, with everybody kind of just being on eggshells and <laughs> and needing to speak out in certain ways, which maybe were counterproductive, mm-hmm. you know, like it's a really interesting shift that's been going on, I think, overall. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And man, even fiber is not safe. I mean, and I knew I knew like <laughs> inclusivity was a topic of conversation <clears throat> big time, you know, like we want right. to see more people of color and things like this. But then I would never, I would never think that within the within the realm of fiber share that that kind of th- thing would even be part of the conversation. It was like, right. listen, you got matched with whoever you got matched up with. Have fun with it, and that's it. It's fiber. Like, let's all right. share in the joy of creating and for exactly. free. Exactly. And that's, what, that's kind of like, why can't we just have fun? Exactly. <laughs> and I, like, I, I hate to, I mean, I hate to say that because I'm not trying to like any way like minimize anybody's. You of course. Know, of course, but the whole point of it was it's really like a fully, um, you know, to fully embrace exactly the, and give and, and give everyone an opportunity to create with fibers that you're getting for free. First of all, like, you know, you're doing this exchange because it's going to save a lot of people money. It's it's fun to put together. Um, you can. Yeah, you can. In the uh, spirit of friendship. You exactly. Know, least, like, why can't we even just, you know, there except that there people are different from us. Right. And, um, you know, what's the fun in getting matched with someone who's exactly, exactly like you? Exactly. <laughs> oh, gosh. I know. Um, wow. So, so that's that was what was going, going on. on. Yeah. And it got to the point where, like, I would seriously have 
like a deep seated worry of like, what would happen if something happened to one of our participants because we matched them up with another person, you know, because it was just, that's, that was the way things were at the time. Like you never knew. And so we continued on, we, we kept trying to like make changes in the process to, kind of eliminate those worries and those issues. Like at one point we stopped sending um, mailing addresses with, you know, partner info. Mm-hmm. That was something that partners shared at a later date once they felt comfortable with their partner. And that helped a lot kind of relieve that stress and that worry. Um, but then uh, 2020 happened and COVID happened mm-hmm. and it, Oh, hold on. Basically. Wait, sorry, repeat. It um, just went frozen for a minute. Oh, no. Like, then 2020 happened. We had our last round March of 2020. So that was just, like, right when things were (sighs) starting to happen, (laughs) of course. And, excuse me. Um, It just kind of exploded. I don't even know like another way to explain it. Um, packet, like hundreds of packages went missing. Um, people could no longer afford shipping. Excuse me. I guess this is before all the stimulus checks got out there. Right. Like people were being laid off. Yeah. Um, from their, their jobs, they couldn't afford shipping. So we were helping with shipping as well as replacing packages. Um, participants, I mean, died in some circumstances, or they had family members who died. Oh, wow. um, From COVID. And and I don't want to say it was traumatizing. (laughs) Um, That would be trauma. You can say it was traumatizing. That's a lot. That is, that's a lot. Every day was just an onslaught of issues. And I mean, it ha- it went on for the whole year. I don't think um, we finished replacing packages or making sure everybody was good until Christmas of that year. Wow. And were you <laughs> and replacing was- replacing packages and covering shipping like out of your own pockets? Um, we used what we earned on that round of fiber share yeah. to um, kind of, you know, make everything run smoothly. Um, but that also meant that we didn't get paid for the, any of the work right. that we did that, you know. Right. And so once that was all finished, it it just got to the point where, like, I was so relieved <laughs> at that point to not have to do it for yeah. a while. Yeah. And um, when you asked if we could talk about FiberShare, like, <laughs> I've I've been so nervous about it because I've kind of avoided um, the subject for so long. There's been people who've asked when's fiber share coming back and I'm like I honestly I don't know yeah <laughs> it's one of those things where um, I love fiber share it was my baby <laughs> it is my baby I guess you should I should say and I don't want to let it go quite yet <laughs> but at the same time I don't know how to bring it back to where um, it's sustainable if that makes sense you know yeah. I mean, I can't really begin to, I have, 
I'm thinking of ways you can do it, but uh-huh. obviously because I'm not behind the scenes with you, I don't know quite like exactly all the things you have to deal with, but I'm wondering if you can just do random match, like match up, try to match up by two things, like uh, what kind of fiber artist you are and then mm-hmm. where you're willing to, sh- or like uh, not even where, international or US, and then just give a disclaimer. Be like, this is this has I, been done randomly by a computer. That way you you're it takes a lot less work for you to but, do it. And then there's and then there's no, you know, nobody can say you're personally trying to do something or you're there's anything personal behind it. It's like right. we're matching you up, we want to make this fun. It's just what it is. You, you get know, what you get. Exactly. <laughs> it, and that's what it is. You do get what you get. And like, you right. know, maybe it's but then I know, I wonder if it takes out the fun of the the community portion it's and kind that of- up a little bit. Oh, sorry. I'm just saying. Um, I no, I want. <laughs> I wonder if it takes out that community portion or the part where you're trying to match people so that they would want to connect in real life. You know, and so it's yeah, it's hard. I get it. I'm like, yeah. I'm so glad you shared with me and that you're sharing it on the pod so that people can really hear the full story about what happened because. I definitely had no idea that this was going on. And like, you know, I don't think anyone would blame you after hearing Nobody what a shit really show does. it became. Yeah, it really was, you know, and and I hate that it became that way, because yeah. like I said, I really love Fibershare. It is one of those things that I hold like a special part of myself for. But I just um, and like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know what to say, really. And that's kind of why I've hesitated from sharing for so long because there have been times I've logged into the FiberShare account um, with the intent of posting something like an update to be like, this is where I'm at. And like, mm-hmm. I just can't physically bring myself. <laughs> it's a lot. Of, I know. Plus yeah, you'd, you'd be oh God, having to double check what you're saying. And then you're worrying about people attacking you. And like, right. if you open it up for comments, then you know, and then, yeah, I, I bet you'd be sitting there revising it for a week. Comments and people, you know, have an issue with that. Exactly. You can't win. And that, I mean, honestly, it's part of what I hate so much about social media and that, um, that, and that the, it is, it's, and it's the loudest people are, um, you know, it's like the, the person who takes the time to write something negative. It's like, Right. You can get one negative thing out of a thousand positive things, but you're going to dwell on the negative one. Even when mm-hmm. you really you don't know the person, we we all <laughs> want to be able to just go on with our day that day. But you know, it ruins the whole day. You know, like ugh, it's 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 hard. It's hard. I totally yeah. get it. I mean, that's just and that's the way it was like every day for years. Yeah, um, we'd have people in the DMs and in the emails. Um, I remember one time I sent a newsletter um, when a round began, like, make sure you reach out to your partner. And it was just like tips to get the most out of the experience. And somebody was like, I hate these emails. And it's like, oh, my God. Well, then just delete it. And why did you participate? Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And but like, I'm really glad that I that you gave me the opportunity to come on here today and talk about it because it does feel a little bit like a weight, you know, Good. like come off my shoulders a little bit. And, you know, I can share this and be like, do you want to know what's happened to FiberShare? Well, this is, you know, explains a little bit of it and just get the conversation started a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm, yeah, thank you so much for sharing it. Um, I You probably got a lot more than you bargained. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. I think it's like, it's, it's, it's also like kind of a fascinating topic. Cause if you think about it as, as this blip of time where it was just a perfect storm of negativity, like those, you know, three to f- four years or whatever, it just was. And unfortunately right. you took the hit or you guys both kind of took the hit. Um, it's interesting and it's a little sad and, I I know that we as a culture can do better, <laughs> you know. Well, like, and I I do feel like maybe if I thought about it and maybe tried to scale back a little bit more, maybe fiber share could eventually come back. But I look at like what's going on in the news, and I know that it's it's not that time yet. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, like especially and you know we pride our on being an international fiber swap. Well, there's like countries that you can't even yeah. like, ship to. Ukraine, Russia is, <laughs> right yeah, yeah. yeah. So I know. it's just one of those things where like, I think I need to sit on it a little bit more and brainstorm and like maybe people will have some ideas after this that they can throw my way. Um, yeah. We'll see. It's so, it's interesting you say that because I, I struggle with it all the time. Like, acknowledging things that are going on in mm-hmm. the world and in our country and, you know, school shootings and, um, I mean, Russia, Ukraine, and I, there's so many things, so many things every day that right. you can be acknowledging. And I'll sit there on Instagram, like writing a post and I'm like, do I have, do I need, do I need to acknowledge exactly. this before I post? And, you know, it's crazy. Cause like, even like Memorial, like Fourth of July, yeah. is now controversial, right? So I'm like, okay, don't post that day. Like it, but I'm like, oh, but by removing my voice and like not standing up, does that mean I'm not an ally for certain things? I mean, it's become so hard because I like I I feel helpless and silenced, you know, because I'm. So many times it's just that my own opinion isn't very well formed. So I don't have a lot to say on certain subjects. I completely agree. There's been times where like, I know I've said the wrong thing, you know, or I should have said something when I didn't. And I just try and remind myself that like, I am a kind person, (laughs) you know, and I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to, you know. Totally. We're all going to make mistakes and we're all going to exactly. say the wrong thing. We've all said the wrong thing and could probably be canceled at any moment or whatever exactly. for because times change and things right. that used to be acceptable are no longer acceptable. And, it, you, you know, it's hard to even joke about things now and whatever. I mean, I'm not a comedian, but I listen to so many comedy podcasts and they're all bitching about it. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, relate. yeah I do though, because it's, it's hard. I mean, even this recent, like as a, as a shop, like as a yarn store, I'm like, um, you know, I 1000, let me tell you, I 1000% support pride and everything around mm. it. And, um, but it, it's like, you know, there's that little worry. Like, if I acknowledge that, am I going to lose all these customers? But then that's also stupid because, you know, you're going to, you're also gaining a lot. And also, that's not the point. But right. it is human and it is my livelihood. So you do think about that kind of thing. Right. Um, 
you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I once was, um, I, some, a feminist magazine like wrote up a little, they did an article on me and I remember posting and like some lady came at me like feminist my ass, you ladies don't know any, like, like we do have equality now and all this stuff. And I was like, um, <laughs> like, what? And then you, of course, she, she ruined that. She ruined that ruined whole day. day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> day I was like, that one comment. And I'm like, how self-hating are you? But then her whole thing was like, you know how there's like waves of feminism and they're all fighting each other now. And it just feels like this endless cycle of internet vitriol. And it's, you know, if we keep going down that path, we're not going to be okay, you know, yeah. as a society. I know. And I even like, it's funny, you mentioned that the other day, I, I just had a shop update yesterday with some yarn and it was like all different colors, like almost like the rainbow. And like, I had an idea to like arrange them like a rainbow and use a song <laughs> that talked about a rainbow. But then I was like, it's pride month. I don't want anybody to get the wrong impression that I'm like profiting that's the other thing you know that's the other thing yes I was like should I do this or is this wrong and he's like well you better just not do it even though like I wasn't even like thinking you know yes about that but I didn't want anybody to get the wrong impression um so I didn't do it right no that's what exactly exactly so like when I was I, you know, I did my recent, I'm doing a sale this week and 10% of the profits are going to the Trevor Project. And I was like, you know, I hate it because it feels so hokey to hop on the bandwagon of it being Pride Month because I support this cause, you know, 12 months out of the year. But this is a time to do it. And if I don't do it right now, then by omission, I'm not doing the right thing. You know, like you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. And I fucking hate it. Like this But whole... then if you do do it, there's always going to be that worry that someone's going to like be like, well. She's <laughs> just doing it because of that. Because it's <laughs> right. 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 I know. So, it's hard. It is so hard. hard. <laughs> I know. I know. So usually, I mean, in most cases, I just don't post on that day where we're supposed to be acknowledging something because I'm like, you know. I'm same. Just gonna be quiet. <laughs> same. I didn't post my rainbow, so <laughs> uh, I think you I can. <laughs> Everybody loves rainbows anyway, so you know. <laughs> Maybe next month. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh Just god. To be I know. Well, I guess it's it's nice to know that we're all kind of thinking the same thing and worrying in the same in the same way. Um, but yeah. Um, Let's talk about spinning because there have been so many times where people will ask me, oh, I have all these scraps. What do I do with them? And you are one of the only people. I mean, as far as I know, you're the only person who, and I don't even know if you still do this, but you used to take people's scraps and spin them into yarn. Uh, Yes. Number one, are you still doing that? You're just taking people's and number two, I don't know. When did you start spinning? And tell me the whole story of spinning. Yeah, so I started spinning hmm, after my daughter was born in 2016. And that's because like, after she was born, I had no motivation whatsoever to weave. Uh (laughs) You know, and I'd always wanted to learn how to spin. Um, I think I had like this, at the time, it felt very unrealistic, a goal to spin all my yarn, you know, for my weavings, you know, 
or in Diamol, but I'm actually doing You're that doing a now. lot of that now, yeah. <laughs> so, but at the time it felt like kind of like a dream that was way off in the distance. Um, so I ended up, I tried to do drop spindling, failed miserably. I'm not, <laughs> like people always ask me, do you drop? spindle and I'm like no yeah I I I tried to I tried to and it just it's slower and it just it would take a long time to get all that length I know yeah it's just not fun for me um and I never really like all the yarn I've spun on it like was never really good Mm. or usable so um I kind of took a leap and bought um uh, an affordable wheel. I mean, it's still like three, four hundred dollars, mm-hmm. which I know is not in everybody's budget. Um, it's an investment, and clearly one that's paying off for you. Right. Yeah. Um. So, I just started spinning, and at the time, I didn't have any. Well, I'll take that back. I did kind of start spinning because I wanted to learn how to spin my own yarn scraps because I saw someone, um, they, I can't remember where they lived. I think they lived in Britain, but at the time, but they are the UK. Um, they were spinning yarn scraps, but they weren't really like, it wasn't their niche. Mm. It, I guess you could say, but I was like, I want to learn how to do that, <laughs> you know? And it was kind of like a goal, but at first I just, spun a bunch of like really crappy yarns um to kind of get used to it because it's not one of those hobbies where you can just start and be good at mm-hmm. <laughs> right away I have, it takes a little bit of practice I have learned this and I have therefore stopped <laughs> learning <laughs> no! <laughs> no it does eventually click I will I can attest to that like eventually your fingers and your brain, like in your legs, they all line up together. Um, but it, it took a while. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I think a couple months until I was like making something that I was like really like, yeah, this is really awesome. Um, and did you well, just like watch YouTube videos to try to get started or did? Yeah. Okay. I'm very much like one of those type of people that like, um, I like that classes are available but I'd rather just like jump in mm-hmm. and try and do it myself first. Um, that could be really good, but that could also be really bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I started doing that and um, I loved it. It got to the point where like I enjoyed spinning more than I did weaving at the time. And so I started incorporating my yarn scraps and then I started um taking yarn scraps from other people. And honestly, like 99% of the stuff I've spun since then have all been yarn scraps just because I'm in love. I'm like obsessed with it. <laughs> I know. I love it too. Like what, what you're posting lately um, and what you were making and in your yarn packs that you're making with them. I mean, it's like the coolest stuff. It's the best. Thank you. So much yeah. texture and you can mix in all the colors. I think making the bats, like that's, that's super fun. <laughs> It's just yeah, the spinning part that I, I'm lost on. I'm like, mm, I don't get this. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, you could do it. I know you could. <laughs> I think I need, you know, with, with macrame and with weaving, it was like I could just self, 
I could sort of self-learn or whatever. But with spinning, it, it just is beyond me. I even took a class. I went to this place in um, Frenchtown, New Jersey called The Spinnery. And I went and I took a class. It was like private lessons. My assistant and I went together. And um, she taught us a drop spindle. And we got to do a little bit on a wheel. But it was not like... I wanted to know how to do the chunky coiled stuff. And this <laughs> yeah. lady, she's, um, you know, older. And I think it's like a, it's kind of a new, it's a new thing. So she was like, right. it, I don't think she knew how to do it, to be honest. Or maybe it just would have taken longer than what the time we had. I don't know. She, But she mm-hmm. just was a little bit resistant because I showed her examples of what I wanted to learn and she, we weren't going there. So... I don't know. She wasn't having that. No, she was not having it. I think it's like too, yeah, maybe she was like, oh God, sacrilege in a way. Because she was showing me like traditional yarn. And right. I was like, mm, that's not really it. And then I realized. I think there is like a group, I mean, like of people, of spinners who like it's traditional or nothing, Yeah, you know. Which and that's is- fine. You know, like I sometimes I wish that I could get in the mindset to spin a really like thin, thin. <laughs> you know sweater type yarn but I just like for the life of me like I sit down and then try I I've tried before um but it always ends up <laughs> chunky you're going it just gets chunkier and chunkier and chunkier <laughs> for real <laughs> so yeah I don't know I it's think what's I- funny how people like get into their little their little bubbles. Totally, totally. And I think what I didn't realize was that I think she was teaching me basically step one, and that they, you have to you have to feed it back through to do the coil, like to do the oh, coils yeah, with yeah. thicker, with like thicker roving or whatever. You have to um, have like a core and then have it exactly. Coil so it was like what I learned was basically making the core. I think. Mm-hmm. I guess I don't know. Oh yeah, I mean yeah, probably. I mean I spin my own core, so. Mm-hmm. And it is just like a plain, like single. Right. So, so that's yeah. probably what you were doing. I think so. Um, do you have any thoughts? Oh, okay. So yes. Are you still taking people's scraps? I am. Yes. I'm not the only one now that spins yarn scraps. I think in the beginning I was um, around, what was it? 2016, 2017 when I started. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't very many people doing it, um, but it's kind of blown up in recent years. Um, and I always, I try and like, you know, it's one of those things where like, I'm happy that other people are spinning yarn scraps, but also I'm like, man, like all that competition. I know. I know. But, but then I the other to, thing is, do you want to be the only one doing it? Cause do you have that time? Say, you know, like I try and remind myself, like I can't spin all the yarn scraps in the world. <laughs> Yeah. So like, I'm not, I'm, you know, and people out there are doing awesome things, spinning yarn scraps. So I'm, I'm happy that it's uh, more mainstream now that Mm -hmm. it's not like something that is so, you know, out of the box. Right. Right. I mean, and so how much of your, I I guess, ideally, and like how much do you want that to be a part of your business right now? Like, do you want to promote like being a person that takes the scrap? You know what I mean? Like, right? Do you want a bunch I mean, of orders? Because I bet I could refer you, like, refer a, a bunch of people to you. I just wasn't sure if you were still doing doing it for, like right. for other people. I am still. There is a listing in my shop to okay. have your yarn scraps um, made into new yarn. 
um, it's kind of one of those things where like spinning just kind of took over my business and it became the, the thing that sold Mm -hmm. if that makes sense like my weavings um and to be fair like they never did that well but like when I look back on past work as we all do um I'm like well it's probably because it wasn't that good (laughs) (laughs) no I you know what I mean (laughs) I do know what you mean and I feel the same way when I look back at mine like I never weaving never took off for me as like a Mm -hmm. business thing because I mean I mean, yeah, and to be fair, I think I probably only made 15 total, no, 15 15 to 20. And I was like, outside of the commission ones, like ones I just made to try to sell it, you know, that weren't commissioned and they didn't, they didn't sell well. So I was like, oh, I guess this isn't my thing. And then, you know, that's why I just went into macrame because that became, it overtook everything. So you kind of go where the market tells you to go. Exactly. Right. And, um. Which is nice, but also like there's a part of me that like kind of wishes that like it, it, my business wasn't so heavily focused on spinning that I could like easily sell a weaving, you know, because mm-hmm. I've started to get more into that and um, kind of trying to like define my own style, which I feel like I'm getting there. For sure. A hundred percent. Because when you post now, I know it's you. Like, well, thank yeah, you. they're so charming. I love your weaving style. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's kind of like a double-edged sword. I, yeah, I would love the orders. <laughs> I would love them. Um, but at the same time, like, I hope that when people see, like, my feed or, like, stumble across it, like, it's not just, like, oh, there's the spinner. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to be, like, a well-rounded right. uh, fiber artist, you know, mm-hmm. and be able to dabble in multiple Yeah. Um, you know techniques well for what it's worth i think you are one of the most well-rounded like for sure um artists fiber artists working out there that i've noticed i mean you're doing the spinning and the weaving and the ice dyeing um which i also want to talk about because you recently posted a time lapse that i am completely mesmerized by (laughs) number one because i think i've known what ice dyeing is but never saw the whole never saw the process done right. like in a time lapse like that so it's like it's so cool you guys if you're wondering about ice dying take a look at ashley's account because it's yeah. super cool to watch yeah and that like it kind of like blows my mind a little because those reels are like so easy to make yeah yeah <laughs> you just like set the camera up and let like let that do its, its own thing and it's just kind of funny like sometimes we spend so much time on reels and, and maybe some of the best ones. Yeah, maybe some of the yeah. best ones are the most simple for sure. Right. Yeah. So, but yeah, ice dyeing is kind of a, a newer thing. I, I don't claim to be an expert by any means, um, but I like doing it. It's so much fun. Um, it's kind of one of those things where you put all the colors down and you just kind of hope for the best. <laughs> like, I hope this turns out and it's not doesn't look like you know brown muddy water or something right has it ever turned out poorly for you or it is just brown muddy water not really um there is definitely ones that like could have been better Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know like it definitely those first few attempts yeah you know what's interesting though in in this industry or whatever is that brown muddy water you do in my mind conjure something negative and now 
so many people embrace that palette. So I know. like I never thought I would sell brown in my shop. I really didn't. <laughs> I remember joking around with um with like Bridie uh a couple years ago and we were like, Ugh, no brown, no brown. And then it the line of browns are like the ones that sell <laughs> the best. Really? Yeah, like the the neutral browns and um ma- the maples and rusts. Wow. And I mean Oh. They are, but it was never my like favorite palette. Like the right. the fall palette was never actually my favorite palette. I like I like um, happier kind of colors, but <laughs> thousands of people like it. So <laughs> if you end up with brown muddy water, you're not. It's fine. People still buy it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The co- the whole like copper copper tones sort of palettes are are you know um what's the word I'm looking for? All a rage. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. I have had some people ask for brown yarns lately. And I'm like, I just don't know if I can do it. <laughs> You're like, I don't own those colors. Thanks. Because <laughs> it's like, I'd have to dye the wool. <laughs> and I'd have to sort out brown yarn scraps. And yeah. like, it just doesn't seem very exciting for me. I know. So. It feels very 70s to me. Like, they really loved, their, loved the browns in the 70s. Yes. And maybe but I like, guess it's coming back around. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, personally, I'm, I don't know if you watched like, uh, not watched, but noticed in the spring, I, I kept getting all these like marketing emails that were like um, dopamine dressing and like New York Magazine did this whole thing on dopamine dr- like dressing, which was like bright, everything, like bright orange, bright yellow, yeah. bright purple. And I was like, oh, I can get behind this. It was like, you know, it was kind of, um, I guess it's kind of 80s in a way, right? Like neon right. and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it was like we're coming out of the kind of coming out of the pandemic, um, more or less, uh, whatever. Um, <laughs> so people like were in the mood for brights. And I was like, you know what? I never would have thought that I would offer things like that, like that bright in the shop. But I'm like, you know what? Forget it. I'm going to try it out. So, you yeah. know, we'll see what there happens. There was a, like a, a time the last few months where um, people were really – like wanting the neon yarn. Yeah, that I yeah. And I was like, that's unusual. It wasn't even something that like I come up with, came up with on my own. It was my husband. Like he helps out and he does a lot of my bats. Um, he did like a neon yarn and it ended up, ended up being something that like sold out like immediately. That's so cool. <laughs> like, I wouldn't have thought that. I mean, me personally. Right, right. I would have thought have never made that yarn yeah i think we're th- but, just thirsty i think we're thirsty for like more joyful I, colors yeah, you know <laughs> was that the chartreuse no um it was like a bright neon that had like white and black scraps in it oh, and fun. he like carded it up and he he was like you should you should do this one and i was like <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so funny and i spun it and Everybody went crazy for it. It was kind of, it's a good reminder to just to like get out of your own head a little bit sometimes. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you work with your husband a lot and with Loom Denim? Like, is he, um, is he a significant portion of the business? Oh, for sure. Yeah. He, at this point he makes about 99% of my bats. Um, I, I basically lay the scraps out for him in the wool and, um, I say like I need one or two bats and he he makes them for me. That's <laughs> awesome. So much better at it than I am. Like it was kind of like one of those I hate making bats. Really? I <laughs> think I that's hate, the most I don't fun. like to say that because like I feel like it 
you know, breaks down the illusion. No, nah, it's fine. But I, also, most of us don't like warping a loom. It's fine. Right. So I, I don't know how it happened. I think one day he was like, can I help you? Like, I was stressed out about, like, how many, how much stuff I had on my plate. And he's like, can I help you? And so I taught him how to make a bat. And <laughs> once he learned, I was like, I'm never making a bat again. That's so amazing. I love it. So sometimes I will make a bat, like if I'm recording for a reel, but mm. most of the other, you know, it's him. And he also like sets all of my yarns, so he'll steam them or, or wet set them. And he wow. helps out a lot with um, photography and video. So, but he's, he's an artist in his own right. Oh, he, is he? Yeah, he uh, has a ceramics degree and he paints. So oh, cool. is that what he does? Is, is that what he does like full time? No. Um, he was working, um, retail, um, for a while. And then he actually came to work for me. Oh, nice. <laughs> in August. Yeah. Oh, wow. So it is the full family business now. It is. Um, things are so kind of like up in the air at the moment that we might have to like reevaluate things. Yeah. Um, hopefully temporarily, but you know, we'll see just things are so expensive. <laughs> I know. Unfortunately. I know. Uh, yeah. Products, shipping, everything has gone up. It's crazy. Right. Um, and like sales have gone down because everybody else is, you know, they're in a bind as well. Mm -hmm. Like gas is crazy. <laughs> you know, prices at the supermarket have like shot up. So mm -hmm. I know everybody is kind of like in the same spot where they're trying to save money and work through their own stash. So yeah. I know it's interesting. I am wondering, like, I'm like trying to figure out the factors of what's affecting the fiber market right now. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right. On one end, people are strapped. Um, and then the other thing is like, I wonder how much competition has to play a part in it. Um, and what I hope is not the case, but I do fear it that, uh, that interest is dying down, yeah. you know, I don't know. Um, it could be a lot of different factors right, that a little are bit of all each. completely out of our control. <laughs> totally. I know. Um, well, I hope I can throw you some more, you know, at least some more people who want to spin their scraps because I, you know, I, I, even though I am part of the consumer problem, <laughs> I, I well, do love that you can re you know, you can take this, take the, um, the scraps and make them into something new. I mean, you know, it's yeah. such a good thing. And it's like, it's amazing. Like when you do have your scraps spun into new yarn, I, I can look at that yarn and like see the person that the yarn scraps came from. Like, mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you're familiar with moon and yarn, Brianne. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I recently spun her scraps and, um, just when it was finished, I was like, oh my gosh, this looks like Brianne, like to a T. That's amazing. I even showed my husband and like showed him her Instagram account. And he was like, oh my gosh, like that's totally her. I can see it. <laughs> and awesome. so, yeah, that's one of the things that I think is just so like one of the things I love about the process mm -hmm. is, um, you know, like the yarn just takes on a life of its own. Like I don't have to do much other than 
you know, pair it with a wool and spin it, you yeah. know, the yarn scraps do all the work. Yeah. And then you see <laughs> into the soul, <laughs> you see into the soul of the maker. It's pretty cool. <laughs> It's it sounds cheesy though. <laughs> kind of, but you know what? No, there's a lot to it though, because it's yeah. like you know they've been touching it. It's been you know it's true. It's a part of their their work it's and their, their ethos. Own, their style and the colors that they use and the the fibers that they gravitate towards. Yeah. Um. So yeah, yeah it's true. Oh, very cool. Um. Well, I mean, we're about at an hour, but uh, is there anything else you wanted to share? I'm like, I think this was so nice you know for me to hear what had gone on with fiber share and i love mm-hmm. you know your spinning journey and all of it honestly and i loved him finally for getting to like for having me oh you know? sure oh my gosh yeah, and giving so me happy. an opportunity to talk about like especially fiber share but like you know everything else i appreciate yeah. it good good no i'm so happy we finally got a chance to connect like i know kind, kind of in person or whatever but um yeah thank you so much again maybe Ashley. one day yeah oh, thank you yeah. Um, and then so just uh, just to close it out, um, just once one more time, you're, where people can find you. Yeah. Um, loom Denim. So um, LoomDenim.com. And that's Loom as in like L-O-O-M and Denim as in jeans. <laughs> um, and then Instagram and TikTok, it's Loom underscore Denim. So right. I think that's I think that's all I'm on. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again, Ashley. I will be talking to you and seeing you on Instagram soon. Okay. Bye. Check the show notes of each episode to get the website and Instagram for each of the fiber artists I speak with. Be sure to give them a follow. And you can view video from this podcast on naromastudio.com slash the fiber artist podcast. If you enjoy the fiber artist podcast, go to Apple podcast to subscribe, rate and review. Thank you for listening.